Hello, welcome to Five Questions with Steve Moulter. That's me. Today's guest is Maria Moltini. She is a prolific multimedia and performing artist, an educator, organizer, and artist in residence with the city of Boston. Uh, her work's been featured all over the globe in Croatia, Philippines, uh, all throughout the United States. She's just got a powerful uh, output and uh, she just continues to make amazing and uh, important work. We talked about how she invents spaces to teach art in, her paralyzing fear of taxidermy, the way she brings radical vulnerability to love as well as the rest of her life, this interesting group called The Shakers, which I had never heard of, but it's, uh, she gives a lot of detail, it's pretty sweet, and the imbalance of power between men and women and its direct effect on her life and career. The most memorable part of uh, meeting Maria, though, happened when the we weren't rolling, unfortunately. Um, after we spoke and recorded the uh, podcast portion, we were about to take photographs, as I normally do, but for some reason we just continued our, our discussion, um, and I, I spoke about how I feel as a man in this world, how I, I carry guilt with me around, and how... I think back uh, when the Me Too movement came out and how I, I think back on the things that I may have done that were inappropriate to women. And I couldn't think of anything that was being reported, for example, anything that drastic, but you know, maybe I looked too long at a woman. Maybe I asked one too many times for sex. Um, or if I ever made anyone, uh, a date, a stranger, uh, a girlfriend, feel uncomfortable in my presence simply because of the dynamic between us as a man and a woman. I, I express this to Maria, um, this guilt that sometimes I feel, and she was kind enough to give me space to, to talk and to listen. Um, and she helped me. She, she gave me some words of in, insight. She gave me comfort. She gave me her truth and the way she sees things as a woman. And, and yeah, I'm sure I've made mistakes. Um, uh, and you know, I try to take responsibility when I do, and and uh, own them, and hopefully I can correct my course of action in the process. Um, meet Maria. How do you approach collaboration? Well, um, I actually collaborate a lot. Um, some people don't even know very much about my solo work, which is funny, but. Um, because I like I studied painting um, in undergrad and kind of did the like paint in my cavey basement by myself in the dark thing for the cave many seems years. to be a uh, <laughs> yeah. a theme. I actually love caves yeah, and okay. cats. All right, all right. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, like I but I am a people person, and um, I also you know I like working in diverse environments. I like and you know both with. I mean, race, but also age and interests. And I just like working with all sorts of people. So um, I kind of found it really refreshing to pull myself out of my cave. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, you know, when I, I've lived in Boston for 15 years, but when I was, uh, you know, just kind of graduated from undergrad and was new here, like I needed to kind of, I wanted to meet my community and make friends. So I collaborate a lot Um you know, sometimes in more like activist contexts and sometimes just in more and more as of a an art educator or a teaching artist is often what we call it. Like okay. where I teach through my projects. Where do you teach? Like what kind of places would you teach at? Well, so that's the fun thing is, you know, I, I kind of 
I sort of invented these, these spaces for education and collaboration, um, through my own projects before I started actually teaching more in institutions. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how much you want me to talk about my own work, but, um, you know, as, I've made as like, much as you'd like. Honestly. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've made like big inflatable spaces, like inflatable no rooms, mm-hmm. um, like pneumatic structures that can travel around almost like a traveling school or a traveling, you know, performance. Um, and, you know, I have this other project, uh, where I started a, a collective called the new craft artists in action, which of course is the NCAA. <laughs> um, and we make <laughs> handmade nice. basketball nets to put on empty hoops around the world. Um, so there's, so there's a lot of this kind of like nomadic school, um, project flexible structure where, you know, I'm collaborating possibly through a project or a collective, but anyone can be involved at different levels and it's not a closed thing. Um, but then I started applying for, um, you know, sort of like teaching artist residencies, mm-hmm. you could say, which I've done a few now where it's about a year or several months at, you know, an art museum or I actually just finished a residency through the city of Boston. It's yeah. an, it's a brand new program. Yeah. So I was like one of the first Boston heirs where we were paired with, um, a youth organization, um, or each of us was paired with a community organization. So I was working with the Perkins Center in Dorchester. Um, and so that was a little bit more formal, but still kind of this freeform thing where I'm not necessarily like a nine to five teacher in school, um, but I'm working through a project. Right. And I, I really love collaborating in that way where you get like a really fun, exciting final product to share also with the larger community. That's amazing. I love, I like for me that just the fact that you're working so directly with the community is so like, I'm jealous, you know, to have that opportunity sounds just super cool. It's really, really fulfilling. It's really exhausting, but also (laughs) really fulfilling. That's awesome. I feel very grateful for those opportunities. Cool. Yeah. What is your greatest fear? Well, I used to be really afraid of moths. <laughs> oh, really? I have a friend in Australia who's terrified of moths, actually. Really? So you're not the only one. Well, I mean, I think they're amazing. Oh, oh well, I have a legit phobia of um, taxidermy. Oh, whoa, really? Yeah, which I also think are amazing. So it's not a rational thing. It's not like... Um, what, what? It's not like, oh, this is cruel, which I mean, sure it, it is, but it's not even like that. It's like just a total f- gut fear. <laughs> what happens like if you saw something like so this it's it's kind of hilarious okay. when it happens probably for other people because <laughs> the I've I've I realized it in the Harvard Museum of Natural History. Oh, boy. Um, because we had to like as as freshmen in college, we had to find an animal in the museum to draw and we had to like do drawings and make a wire sculpture and a clay sculpture. So bats have always been my favorite animal. So I like went straight to the bat um, and was working from it. But the second time I went in there to draw it, I got stuck in the middle of the museum with my like with my eyes shut because I suddenly I don't know. Suddenly the animals just started like terrifying me kind of in this ghosty way or something. Um, like it's very, very different. Obviously you'd have a certain kind of fear of the live animal was right. Yeah. Right. Like a predator coming after (laughs) you. Yeah. Yeah. But this is more of like a spectacle. 
Yeah, it's because that would be like a fight or flight thing, right? Like you see like a tiger, you're like, oh shit, like I should probably get the hell out of here. Yeah, There's like a survival instinct in there. Right, right. Yeah, so this is just something else. But so now when I see them, it's usually, so now I kind of know not to go in (laughs) natural history museums, (laughs) which is really sad. (laughs) That's too bad. That's too bad. I know, because they're really not, they're really awesome. But um, it's restaurants, particularly in Texas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So... Usually I walk in the door and if I am, if I am somewhere like Texas or somewhere, I don't know, like New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. I will kind of ask someone to go in first and look for me. Um, have you had an experience where you've, Oh yeah. I'll just walk in and scream. Really? (laughs) Do people just like, what the, and then you, yeah. Well, a lot of my friends know now, but, um, Yeah, usually I just walk in and like scream and kind of run out the door and then start laughing at myself. <laughs> but if I put like a sheet over my head or something, I'm fine. And as long as I don't see them. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like it's such a visceral thing. <laughs> totally. In fact, I was just in Denmark and um, was riding by this. I don't It was very bizarre, but I was in the middle of the night, like riding my bike down the street and past this huge storefront, this huge window that had like every single animal in it. There were like giraffes and bears and all this stuff. Maybe, maybe even an elephant. I don't know, but, um, buffaloes are one of the scariest ones for me all kind of gathered together and I almost, I mean, I almost fell off my bike. Oh, yeah. Like I was hyperventilating for the next few blocks and even I was oh shocked about it. Wow. So I don't know. Okay. It's weird. Wow. I, that's <laughs> duly noted. Yeah. I will never invite you to anything that has taxidermy. I know. No, that's okay. But like, that's really good to know for your friends, especially. Yeah. Because, whoa. I know. Well, once, once I made it through the Pittsburgh, uh, one of the Pittsburgh museums of natural history, because my friend gave me those like weird rainbow glasses where you look at the light and you know, you like the, all the lights turn into rainbows, you know? Okay. No, they're like funny kind of hologram glasses or okay, whatever. So you just like, they I put those out on the and like clawed my friend's arm the whole way and managed to sort of get through it not bad not so. bad so you're willing to give it a shot push yourself i guess that's good. as long as there's like some rainbows in between me okay. and the animals <laughs> easy easy that can happen every day <laughs> okay how do you define being in love Um, well, it changes, you know, over uh, the more that you sort of learn about love and, and what, how love actually plays out in your life versus what you, how you might expect it to from a young age or from other less realistic models that you're looking at. Um, you said, how do you, how do you define love? How do you define being in love? Being in love. Oh gosh. Um, in air quotes too. Right. (laughs) In love. In love. Well, you know, to be honest, I, I've become a little bit um, more, uh, what, what's the word, like skeptical of um, romantic love. Not like I don't think it exists or something, but um, but I think that um, well, you know, there's always that there's like that phrase, you know, if you love something, you set it free. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely a principle that's really difficult 
for everyone and myself included, but, um, but it is something that I come back to sometimes. Um, if you love something, you're not trying to like possess it or control it. Um, that being said, I do think a lot of people these days are kind of afraid of love and afraid of being vulnerable. And I think that, um, personally, I think of being in love as being willing to be kind of radically open and radically vulnerable. Mm. Um, I don't really know another way to be personally. And I usually try to just demonstrate that to a partner. How would that look like? What would that look like? Um, well, I mean, it could look a lot of different ways, but, um, but, you know, just sharing, like, just, I don't know, just being honest and open and sharing your emotions and sharing your spaces and sharing power. I mean, I mean, as a woman, I'm, I find that a lot of times a, a man, if I, if I, I'm a queer woman, but when I've dated men, um, they're not usually as comfortable giving up some of their, their power in a way that demonstrates their vulnerability. Hmm. Um, and that could be, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to describe it. It's that the form, I mean, the form could be like, I don't know, uh, feeling comfortable introducing you to some of their friends or just feeling comfortable, um, having conversations about their emotions or feeling, you know, um, just share, I guess just sharing. I just think about love as being about sharing and like opening, yeah. Vulner- I mean, you had to set up before vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge part. Yeah. But I do have this funny, to be completely honest, I do have a, a tendency to when I feel um, like someone else feels uncomfortable or is re- resisting that sharing or and, and it could be with romantic love or just another person that maybe feels like. I'm challenging them. Mm. I have a tendency to just demonstrate my vulnerability to them, hoping that they will then mirror or they will know I'm not challenging you. And it's hard to be that way because a lot of the times people will just say, Oh, thank you. I'm going to take this from you. Totally. So it's, it's vulnerability is terrifying for me Mm -hmm. too. It's like, but I, I really appreciate that perspective because I try to do the same thing Mm -hmm. where maybe I'm feeling super afraid. Uh, and I know that recoiling and running away is not the answer. I'm at that age now where I know better, you yeah, know? Yeah. but it's still not any easier. Yep. And so opening myself up and saying, Hey, here, look at me. This is, these are my fears. These are my desires. These are my, you know, insecurities. Like that's it's super scary because yeah. like you said, somebody can just take it and run with it. Totally. Or say, thanks. Goodbye. All right. Like that's too much for me. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could be thanks. Goodbye because they're afraid or I think yeah. people often don't know how to react. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you get kind of bizarre behavior and isn't, response. Isn't that such a shame though, that like in this day and age, especially like we have so much information, we have so much, you know, we're able to see the entire world mostly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, especially being in the States, you know, having access to those things. And we still are afraid of the things that are right inside of us. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, just saying, so you know, afraid. I love you or just saying, you know, I, I'm hurting, you know, totally. It's, it's ridiculous that we have to deal with that like that, you know, totally. And, um, yeah. And I think we're like, you know, we're losing sight of community, losing sight of sharing, you know, the hyper individualization of everything should mean that there's, um, an emphasis on self-reflection and, 
um, self-care, but I'm not sure it's always happening that way. I think to be completely honest, um, in a capitalist society, um, a high capitalist society, there's so much emphasis on, um, competition and that's what everyone's responding to. And that's what creates a lot of the fear. And I think it's really, can I cuss? Yeah. (laughs) Fucking up romantic love. Yeah, of course. That I, you know, I've, I've dated, I did, I lived in LA for a long time mm-hmm. and I did, that was primarily my dating world and it was, it could oh, be I anywhere. can imagine right? LA. Like, well, yeah. Like it's hard to say yeah. it's LA or it's just everywhere. Who knows? Yeah. It's I, all, yeah. You know, right. It expresses but, itself in different ways in different it, cities. Exactly. Exactly. But dating there was, it was difficult. And I ran into a lot of, um, where, where I would try to be vulnerable and it wasn't received the way mm-hmm. I wanted it to be. And then other times where people were vulnerable, vulnerable with me and I didn't receive it the way they wanted yeah. and I would run. And I, that was like my MO was to like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I don't want to get too close. Well, it's also while. kind of a fight or flight there too. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. weird how like your survival instincts kick in when somebody cares about you. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. Because oh yeah. Like, it, you're not going to, they're not going to kill you. You're not going to die. They're, they're yeah. probably not going to hurt you in any like legit way except for emotional damage. But even still that's. Well, it's because people are most afraid of themselves. And yeah. as soon as someone's opened up to them, I think, and again, I'm, you know, I think this is very common with men though, though I think it can be the case with anyone. But, um, I think like this fear of having to take responsibility <laughs> for something is like really extreme. That's a good point. I, I went through a phase probably like, I think it was like 2010, 11. Yeah. It was 2010, 11. I like had broken up with a girl and we were like, it was, we were really, really tight and it just didn't work. You know, yeah, we ended yeah. up becoming really, really good friends. Awesome. But like, thankfully. Yeah. And she's one of my best friends. It's but, so good to hear. When that yeah. Happens. Yeah. But like, we just weren't a couple, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I went into this phase of, of trying to determine, you know, tr- it was like the, another step in my phase because it's been a long time, you know, of me trying to become better and become more sensitive to myself and to what I want and what mm-hmm. I don't want. And there was that like period of time where, I did my best to, to, you know, take responsibility and enjoy responsibility to enjoy that. Yeah. That weight of responsibility, right. With somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if I, and I was dating a lot back then in that period of time. So I didn't get really deep, but still I was very, I was trying to be very deliberate and responsible with the people I was dating so that there were no mixed signals and that there was no confusion. Absolutely. And it was super hard and I didn't do my best. I tried, but you know, I mean, I did my best. It didn't necessarily work all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just, but uh, you know, I've also made a ton of mistakes, you know? I mean, we all do. Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why communication is so important. Right. But you know, it's funny. I just like have to share this one little story. Um, like, so there's like a pretty, you know, interesting queer community in Boston. And even though, even though Boston's like, you know, has this kind of Puritan fog over it in a lot of ways. <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, it's also, it's also like a pretty interesting radical place where, you yeah. know, people practice all sorts of wild things. But um, friends of mine, queer friends of mine who moved to L.A. Um, and these just happen to be gay men in this case. But um, they were like, you know, in Boston, you know, you're always like everyone's in a in a solid relationship. But mm. they but they'll kind of practice polyamory or take on another person or whatever, sleep with other people. But in, in L.A., um, everyone's coupled, but, but then they just want to like, take your, like, take your partner from you. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. It was, like a, I mean, the, yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, they were, 
yeah, it was just funny how they, I mean, I don't think it's all so utopian in Boston or something, you know, of but, but, uh, but yeah, they were just like, they just were commenting on the increased sense of, uh, competition yeah 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 well you hit that you said that before about competition and like Mm. in relationship and to like I felt that in in my dating days in LA where I felt like you know I I was doing it and she was doing whoever she was right looking like yeah 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 like leaning looking around my left ear like who's that over there Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. there's always somebody else on the horizon and right and you know I was doing it and I saw myself doing it Mm -hmm. and it was unhealthy for me and I didn't want to do it anymore, you know, but I hadn't met someone that made me stop, you know, yep. or given me a reason to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's not LA and that's not women. And that's, it's just, it happens to be the people I was dating. Right. Yeah. It's in hard to find like the cozy in between I know, right? <laughs> where you're not in like an entirely incestuous small, yeah. you know, circle and, and yeah. you're not in this like huge pool. Everyone's just like, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Right. Hey, look at me. It's yeah, but but you you said it before again. Um, communication, you know, if yeah. you're communicating yeah. yourself as clearly as possible, there's better, there's a better chance for you to find somebody else who's communicating themselves as clearly as possible. I yeah, think. yeah. I don't know. Uh, okay, that was a good one. But I'm mostly lost when it comes to <laughs> cool. Me too. I can also just like keep going slightly elaborate on. Please. Um, I think that I try to really meditate on platonic love um okay How just does that at, look? just as being the 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 win or the end goal right because yeah. you can still have you can still be like in romantic love for a person but if if ultimately i mean you know like you can be casually sleeping with someone but if your sort of eyes on that like platonic love prize mm-hmm. <laughs> where you actually really care about mm. each other um then I just think that that's kind of more healthy. So I kind of just try to stay in this place where I think of like everyone as a friend. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's a, that's an interesting point. I feel like I approach my romantic relationships with that in mind. Like I want that person to be my best friend. Yeah. I want to be their best friend, but I'm also very much like a monogamous person, Yeah, you know? So I'm like, if I'm dating someone, I won't date other people Yeah, yeah. at a certain point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like 80, 20. Right. And then, 2080 depending yeah yeah. I appreciate that that's cool so so how does that show up then like just in your everyday life um well I just think that it I think that that is somehow kind of the opposite of competition so it's just um you know and I don't know if this is how it shows up in my everyday life but I I'm pretty obsessed with the shakers um and have like so they're they're like a, I mean, technically they're like a Christian religious community, but they're, okay. they're I'm not of, familiar with them. Oh man. They're so cool. Break it down for me. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's only three, um, actually there's only two individual shakers that are still alive, but it was this, um, this society that founded themselves in the 1700s. They actually came over from England for like religious freedom, but, um, they were founded by mother Anne Lee who, um, had had, like seven children with her husband and they all died. And she kind of had this huge revelation that, um, that, um, childbirth was basically holding women back from attaining their sort of like spiritual or life goals. Um, and that, um, labor and sort of factory labor was holding men back from the same. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of developed this, it wasn't, I mean, it was a religion, but it was mostly, 
a lifestyle. So they were like, how can we have heaven on earth? Mm -hmm. Um, Because they believed that you really could. And um, so they created um, communal societies, self-sustainable communal communal societies where actually no one had sex. Wow. Um, And no one had a family. And a lot of it was, you know, I, I don't think it was... I just don't think the focus was on, oh, because sex is like this horrible act as much as they did. They wanted to have complete romantic and economic. Um, they, they wanted to eradicate romantic and economic competition right. because they felt the only way that you could really have a utopia where everyone was living peacefully was to take those things out and have everyone to be a brother and sister. But then how do you <laughs> progress the... Well, so, yeah, so, right. And, and they were really interesting too. I mean, they had these wild, um, the reason they were called the shakers, that's like their nickname was because they would have these wild tantric dancing circles, which I think that was basically like their sex. Like they would sweat it out for hours and hours and do all these crazy shape dances and, um, and men and women were, were equal and they called God, he and she, and there was all this as well, but they, um, Basically, people would convert. A lot of times, fam- whole families would convert, and particularly like widowed women that had children would just join. Mm. Um, and it was kind of like a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. Um, although, as soon as your family joined, it would dissolve. Like, I mean, because they also they wanted to keep any sort of sense of hierarchy or ownership out. Like, no one belonged to someone else more than yeah. the others. Gotcha. And, um, and for a while too, like a lot of people would send orphans there, but then I think it was in like the sixties, they changed, um, laws about whether or not religious communities could actually take on orphans. It became like a state thing or federal thing. So, um, so yeah, so they, that's why there's only two alive now. But they technically, this is, sorry, this is the last I'll talk about. No, no, it's They technically shut their doors in the eighties, um, because, one of the main reasons was because they didn't believe in having, you know, excess or wealth. Um, I mean, they weren't like, they didn't necessarily take vows of poverty like monks, but they, they only produced what they needed and they were self-sustainable. And um, they, their numbers dwindled so much. They had like a huge kind of a heyday in the 1800s um, when spiritualism was also getting big um, around like Lilydale, New York. But um but then their numbers started dwindling. So then they had this property that was worth a lot. Like they had all these different, um, they had 13 or so different villages, mostly up the East coast, but as far down as like Kentucky. Wow. And, um, they, so yeah, so suddenly they kind of had this, this, like these assets or this wealth that, that, um, surpassed their, their numbers in their community. And I think there was basically a dispute on what to do about that. And they felt like they couldn't really exist in this sort of world as it was anymore. Yeah, and they couldn't sustain themselves with all of the different structures to the, like wow. the way farming yeah, and yeah, yeah. economics were headed. So, so these last, what were three, but sister Francis, um, passed away last year. Um, so now there's just two shakers. Wow. They're like, they're like the rogue shakers that just kept going. And <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and I visited them a bunch. Really? Yeah. Oh my for God. A few times. That's amazing. Yeah. I had literally no idea that this existed. <laughs> well, most people just love their furniture. Like they, they're brilliant, um, artists that don't call themselves artists. Right. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, they have huge influences that people don't all know about, but yeah. like their song, Simple Gifts was played, um, by Yo-Yo, Yo- Yo-Yo Ma at Obama's, um, inauguration uh, and wow. stuff like that. That's an awesome connection. <laughs> yeah. 
feel like Yo-Yo Ma just came up for me some for some reason the other day. I don't remember why, but he's anyway. around. He's a, he's around, man. <laughs> he's in the consciousness right now for sure. Um, okay, cool. Wow. You can trim some of that. Down no, if no, you no, need no. Later. not at all. I'm keeping it. That was amazing. <laughs> They're, they're really uh, I always like learning amazing. about new stuff. So it's like, for me, like I love these parts of the conversations when we can talk about something that I don't know about. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Yeah. In what ways do you hold yourself back? all the ways <laughs> okay we have some time oh, let's do this <laughs> um well I'm, I'm very hard on myself I'm like a pretty airy cerebral person like like I have a lot of air energy or whatever it's all up in my all up in my head um so sometimes those thoughts you know move three freely like the wind and take me places and sometimes they you know go turn back on me and um um, yeah ask myself too many questions um uh I mean particularly with my own artwork um you know sometimes I feel like I have to justify everything I'm doing somehow rationally or through some sort of research or concept um which is cool because I have kind of a I have sort of a hybrid like formal and conceptual art practice like I do make a lot of intuitive just sort of like color based shape form based um work but then I do like a lot of really intense research so there's usually it's kind of tied together with like a concept that sometimes people don't even know about um so it works in my favor but it's funny. It's hard to put your finger on it because you're always like, "Why am I? Why, how am yeah, I always right. holding myself? Why am back? I still here?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, some of it is that I'm a little bit stubborn about how I feel comfortable plugging myself into the like the whole cap like capitalist uh, yeah. vortex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I have like hangups about yeah ways like ways to sort of self-promote or and as a woman like you know ways to um advocate for myself and as an artist ways to advocate for myself um you know I think that um yeah women can be can be more hesitant about being assertive Mm -hmm. and I've I mean I've been big time punished for being assertive really (laughs) oh yeah I mean like how Um, I mean, I've, I've like lost jobs and relationships and exhibition opportunities constantly to, to, um, yeah, to men who are like being inappropriate or don't like my like assertive attitude or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Um, but I'm, but I'm learning not to work against myself. I'm learning not to apologize for those things and to, you know, assert that well, that assertiveness is not aggression necessarily. Yeah, totally. Um, and 
Yeah, I know there's more I could say about like ways that I hold myself back, well, but I'm curious what your yeah. what your birth sign is. Uh, I'm a Libra. <laughs> a Libra, okay. I'm a double Libra. I'm a Libra okay. sun and rising, but I'm on the cusp of Scorpio. Scorpio, all right. And I have an Aries moon. Okay, you so. know a lot of that stuff. Sort of. I'm like, yeah. I kind of know a little bit. Yeah. And I didn't know that much. I'm learning more. <laughs> I'm learning more all the time, and I find it really useful. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm a Taurus. So oh yeah. I'm earthy. Nice. Like, if you put me down and leave me there, I won't move. I know. You know? Like, that's me. <laughs> no, time. Tauruses are nice though. Tauruses yeah. and Libras are both like romantic or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of Taurus women friends. Okay. I nice. really, really love yeah. the earthy, earthy ladies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have, I've in my band, um, there's, I'm a Taurus and then my best friend, he plays in my band as well. And he's a Scorpio. And so nice. we're like exact opposites. Yeah. But it worked like really well. Like yeah. we, we we were roommates when, you know, we live we grew up here in Massachusetts and we moved to LA together, started the band and we we're in the band together. And there were bumps, you know. But ultimately yeah. like we did really, really well together. There's a nice balance. But And he I've, over he overcame the bumps and didn't hold it against you forever. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was two sided, <laughs> all right. As a Scorpio. <laughs> No, no, he still holds it. I'm sure. Um, but I've dated, but that girl that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. we broke up, but we've become friends. Mm-hmm. We, when she's a Scorpio too. Uh-huh. And so there's a period of time when I was living in my place with my roommate, Scorpio, his girlfriend was around a ton who's now his wife, Scorpio and my girlfriend at the time, Scorpio. Wow. I was getting crushed. It was brutal. <laughs> but that all worked itself out. Yeah. So. Scorpios are intense and get kind of a, a weird rap, but I, I love them. I mean, I actually had, um, a pretty interesting tarot reading recently where my reader, you know, said, well, what's your sign? And I said, I'm a Libra. And she was like, Hmm, what's your birthday? And I was like, October 20th. And she said, Oh, you're a Scorpio. And, and, you know, I was like, well, I'm on the cusp. And she was like, if you were, she was like, what did she say? The Scorpio is, you know, it, it's basically like how I survive. That's how I fight. Like if right. I were a Libra, I just blow away, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, That's interesting. So, so I appreciate the, yeah. the hardcoreness of Scorpio. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what is the most difficult thing you've ever had to do? There's so many ways to think about that. Like, except um, that, like, a relationship was abusive. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, just, like, really come to the realization and, and just sort of, like, admit it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> can you I talk can... about that at all? Or um, Yeah. I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's some interesting ways that I can, I can talk about this without like crying. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, speaking of, of love and like really loving someone unconditionally, um, I think it's this really confusing thing how people can be like r- really bad for each other and or there to be like abuse in a situation, but like they I mean, it's hard to define what love is, but, but where they do love each other. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or they think they do or, mm. um, and I think it can be really hard to accept that a person that you love is like not good news. I mean, I don't want to say a bad 
person because like, yeah, where's I don't know. Line? We all right. are. Yeah. Yeah. No we're all, yeah, yeah. And we're all the, the, and yeah, we're all the um, products of our own like pain and, yeah. and, and dysfunction, like whatever dysfunctional environments. So, um, but that's the thing. I think when you really love someone, you can be a little too, um, like almost empathetic to that in a way where you don't, where you can't like see the forest for the trees and defend yourself and right. call something what it is. Um, and so I think the key lesson in accepting that there, that something abusive happened was, um, kind of realizing that you can't like want someone you can't, you can't want something so hard that it like wills into existence. You totally. can't like want, um, a person to be different or better or for you to be able to make them different or better or, you know, like, yeah, just because you can see mm. this other way mm -hmm. that they could and should and be and maybe are somewhere inside them right. doesn't really make that the reality. And it's really, really hard to just accept that yeah that that's like like isn't that like relationship 101 right you can't change somebody yeah they have to change yeah. even if you see it like you just said like even if you just see it within them and you just want to dust it off for them mm -hmm. and show them themselves say mm -hmm. look at this is you this is you you can do these things yeah you want to do it yeah yeah you want to be the one that does can't. it mm -hmm. and you're actually like the last person who can't yeah do it. yeah and that's the, that's really really hard that's like so the what happened thing. for you to see it and then to decide to leave well, it didn't even unfortunately happen that easily. So mm. that, yeah. Um, I mean, the, I was going to say the hardest thing was, was having to like kind of try and tell people uh, and gotcha. like, um, not that, you know, I, I've even like told that many people, but trying to figure out how to, yeah, how to communicate it in a way that like to try and create safe spaces for yourself, yeah. um, which telling people does not always create any kind of safe space, no. <laughs> but, um, because that's the other hard thing. So it's like trying to figure that out. But, um, but I think the answer is, you know, cause you can't, you don't always have necessarily people to turn to that will believe you or are also untangled. Um, so I think just like really learning to love yourself and like spend time with yourself and loving that is like the way out of that. I don't know. Yeah. Right yeah. On. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. sharing. I appreciate it. Yeah. I was trying to think, I mean, there are other hard things, but that was just like the loudest yeah, blaring yeah, 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 yeah. one. There's That's like always you have no to sift through to... them, right? I was like, I could lie. <laughs> no, that would be the worst. No lying on this. What will you miss the most when you're gone? Swimming. <laughs> I think. Well, I don't know what gone means. I mean, I don't know what, like, I mean, yeah, like dancing and swimming. Mm -hmm. Where do you like swim that. around here? I mean, I'll swim anywhere. 
Um, rid of that in the river over there? Well, I don't swim there, but I, I row, I row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like out on the ocean. So, I mean, oh that's like, God. that's like swimming too. Yeah. So rowing, basketball. Yeah. Dancing. Um, dancing. What? I'm a beekeeper, but I haven't gotten to do that in a little while. Whoa, but yeah, where I'll are the bees? Are things. they in here too? <laughs> <laughs> they aren't, although they have been in here. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, I used to be like a professional beekeeper, but, oh, wow. um, all right. <laughs> I clearly didn't do my research. So, uh. <laughs> no. Um, well, one of the collaborative projects I was talking about, the, the big yeah. inflatable school yeah, is, a yeah. bee, is a beehive, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll miss, I mean, I don't know, right? Like who knows that we don't have those things anymore. I mean, those actually seem like things that, that you keep, but, but those, but swimming and yeah, swimming and dancing and rowing and things like that. Uh, that's what you do with your body. So like, say yeah. we don't have a body anymore. That's what I would miss. Interesting. Do you think we don't have bodies? What do you think happens? I don't really know. I mean, um, I try not to even think about what happens okay. because like, there's no, there's no way to know, but I, but I totally believe in all the stuff, like literally all the <laughs> literally stuff. Literally every possible. Yeah. I, like, I believe all of it. Yep, yeah. Sounds I'm, good. Yep, that too. Yeah. I'm like a multi-religious, like I'm, yeah. I love religions. I love non-religions. Yeah. But I mean, there I love like crystals and energy and yeah. like, I'm, I mean, I kind of identify as a Catholic witch, so, or whatever, an ex, ex Catholic witch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I believe all the stuff, but I definitely think there's. Um, like energy, I mean, reincarnation makes a lot of sense, but mm -hmm. I don't know like what that, what I actually think that means or right. looks like. Um, I mean, we're, we are, we are all matter. Yeah. So, and matter can neither destroy it or create it. Right. Yeah. So at the very core of a science thought is that, so yeah. you can't, we exist and we will always exist yeah. in some fashion. Yeah. So reincarnation seems reasonable because like my, par my particles or molecules will come back and be spread around the world. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Totally. I mean, I have literally no idea, but yeah. And I think, yeah, I think we're like, um, yeah, I don't know. I think our, it just seems so clear. Like the whole, the whole young soul, old soul mm -hmm. kind of thing. I mean, some people really are mm -hmm. one of those, um, I have some friends I think are aliens. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I got to get them on here. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I could introduce you to them. Um, I mean, I identify a little bit more with ghosts than aliens. Okay. But ghosts are interesting because they, you know, like they're kind of, they're kind of painted as like a tra trapped energy. Um, I'm not really sure what that means, but, um, but I mean, I have a lot of sp friends that are spiritualists mm -hmm. um, and they, they basically call God what, what others would call God. They call infinite intelligence. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, yeah, there's, um, there's this sort of like energy or intelligence or love, um, built upon generations of your, of ancestors and people before you. Um, yeah, I mean, I like literally believe all of it. <laughs> I think it's all, all true. And we use different language and different imagery and different like cultural identifiers to describe it. And yeah. it's like not that big of a deal. Totally. I gotcha. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. There's that, that feeling that like my mom and my dad are both Christians, like mm -hmm. Methodist. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, Jesus and God, mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about things and when I'm going through a tough time and you know, my mom will say, you know, oh, but you know, Jesus is with you. And I'm just like, oh man, like, it's just not for me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I do believe the universe is there Yeah, and it's trying to, it, it's not, 
it's the universe is always there for my betterment. Whether mm-hmm. I take it up on those opportunities is up to me. Yeah, yeah. But it's all—it's never trying to hurt me. I do believe that. Right, right. So then what she's saying, she's calling it Jesus. I'm calling it the universe. What's the difference? Well, it's right? like when my mom and I talk about, or my father, who is like an avid climate change denier. Oh, no. Um, and I talk about climate change, you know, like, they're like, they're like, well, you know, God is just punishing all of us for being horrible humans. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, oh I don't disagree with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, however uh, that however that shakes out technically, you know, but right, yeah, right, we've right. done a shitty job being humans yeah, and now sure. the earth is going to explode. The earth is going to eat us and it's going to yeah, be awesome. And actually, yeah, and actually the earth, you know, it's like, we're not going to be okay. Yeah. Like the earth is probably going to be fine, but right. humans aren't. So it's, whatever. It's, it's, yeah, it's. Well, I, I mean, I think we will see our end because of us. As yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I agree, agree. Humans, but I don't yeah. think we will destroy the earth. Yeah, no. Yeah, I you don't, know what I mean. It'll kill us before it'll we just kill become it. a different, a <laughs> yeah. different thing, like a yeah. different, you know. I hope so, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wait, there was one other thing. Um, oh well, I forgot. That's a perfect way to end yeah. it. Cool. cool. <laughs> We're all oh, going to explode. Music. We're all going to explode. Perfect. Oh, oh, go, okay. Go, go, go. Sorry. I will just say this yeah, really yeah, fast. You're welcome to cut it out. No. But um, I think that's one thing that's really important about um, how we've been talking about gender identity, um, particularly like with like trans and non-binary folks. And, and um, I think that the one, so like having grown up Christian and Catholic, the one thing I kind of took away from this idea that there's this Trinity. And of course it's like in very patriarchal, patriarchal terms where it's like the father, the son and the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Although the Holy spirit is genderless, which is one reason I really like it. Um, it's like a bird, but, um, but it's just this idea that there are like three, you know, as we used to say, like three persons and one God, but it's like, there's these three simultaneous identities in one thing. And it's this mystery Mm -hmm. that we can't exactly explain. And I think that thinking more about like simultaneity, um, and you know, I mean, we talk about the gender spectrum and you fall somewhere, somewhere like on the, um, on that line. Right. But if you sort of plot, you know, as, as though there was two different points, but it's, if you, if you plot a third point, then you kind of have this other dimension in a way. Uh, So I think, um, so yeah, I just think, um, the simultaneity of identity and the fact that we're all kind of like shifting and exists in a lot of different ways is, is helps me think about spirituality too. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Check us out at five questions about me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the podcast store on iTunes and check out Maria's work at mariamoltini.com. Take care.